Hi there. Welcome to HR Shop Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Adams. We are going to talk about HR here with smart, experienced, and successful people who are doing the work. You can also find me on YouTube where you can talk to me or others like yourself. Today, my guest is again, Phil Strazula. Phil is the founder of Select Software Reviews. He helps us HR people buy our HR tech, and he gives all this information away for free. It's really quite amazing. Hi, Phil. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. So um, we're going to talk about tech. Looking forward to this one. The last one was so useful. But, I mean, there's just so much out there. So to sort of bring the conversation in a bit, what are the two HR tech solutions that you're asked about most often? That's a good question. I think they're probably applicant tracking systems and HRIS, kind of basic HR software. Okay. All right. So we'll sort of contain our conversation to HRIS and ATSs. So you provide advice on those. what is the case for buying an HRAS versus buying individual pieces uh, that might work better for each function but don't integrate well? So the basic trade-off is that in buying an HRAS versus buying maybe four or five other solutions is obviously a heck of a lot easier. Everything integrates. It's one vendor, one procurement process, one implementation, one system to learn. Of course. And it's usually cheaper too, because you are sort of getting volume discounting, I guess is the, the right way to think about it. The The trade-off is that you're usually not getting the super powerful point solutions. So there are companies that have absolutely phenomenal performance management systems or interview scheduling systems, or kind of you name it. Mm-hmm. And if your company, for whatever reason, needs that sort of power, you're going to have to buy a point solution. There's really no sort of HCM suite slash HRIS slash whatever you want to call it that has super, super powerful of these kind of check-the-box solutions. They're really Their business strategy is to be an all-in-one so that somebody says, you've got time and attendance, you've got performance, you've got whatever but the performance management is it's going to be, you know, an annual survey that goes out to a couple of people. It's not going to be anything compared to what you might get through culture ramp or lattice or 155. So, you know, you're surfing around on HR sites and you'll see so many ads for what you call these point solutions. And it, you know, there'd have to be a pretty amazing case. Like who are they marketing their stuff to? Yeah. If, if you're an HR team of one, you're, you might be looking at one point solution for something that's really, really important for your company for whatever reason. It, they're really looking at the larger and faster growing companies. So obviously, Global Fortune 5000, they're going to have tons of these different point solutions. It's actually sometimes comical. Like you can talk to uh, somebody that they might even have like two or three ATSs, uh, oh. let alone, you know, performance management and all this other stuff. And, and then there's these companies that m- many of which are venture backed businesses. They're growing really quickly. They have high conviction that people is what's going to make them successful or not. And so they're willing to invest in tools that will allow them to attract or train people. And okay. it's not uncommon for, you know, a 50 person venture back company to have two dedicated recruiters, 
plus one or two people on the people ops side. And so a, a fairly meaningful percentage of people actually that are working at this company are, are just focused on people ops and recruiting. And, and those people are going to need sourcing tools. They're going to need dedicated onboarding solutions, et cetera. And so that those are really the, the big target markets for these point solution, because to your point, if you're a hundred person company, one HR person, you're not going to invest in culture amp. It's just not going to happen. Right. Okay. So you've got exposure to this and this is maybe a question I might include. I might not, but, um, all these organizations that you see growing, um, you know, they're venture backed or whatever, uh, and they've got a strong people focus. Are they more successful than the ones that aren't or that are less people focused? How do you find, define success? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge question. However you want to define success, are they, they continue to grow. Um, and, uh, and, and they've got a great trajectory for, for, for growth and income. Yeah. A lot of them are. So I started my career off working in venture capital, mm. helping to, to fund these companies. And okay. of course, many of these companies never make it right there. There's yes. probably, you know, 60, 70% of them kind of never make it to even a million dollars in revenue, but the ones that do make it to some level of product market fit. And that's really the key to whether or not these businesses succeed is do they have something that people want? Mm. Um, if you think about it, you know, if, if the worst run company in the world came up with the iPod back in whatever that was, 2000, they would still be extremely rich and successful. Okay. Um, it so happened that a, a well-run company did it and it became the most valuable company in the world. And they, they use that to get into phones and other consumer electronics, but it, it's really a matter of product market fit. Now people can be an accelerant. They can make something go a lot faster. And that's basically the bet that these companies are making. And, and the reason that they're making that bet is because their board members, the venture capitalists, have seen the same movie play out over and over again, over decades, over hundreds of different companies, where if you get the right head of sales in there, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to sell the product. If you get the right head of engineering, et cetera. And, and how do you do that? You create a great culture, you create great incentive systems with the right compensation, the right equity, you create a structure where people are, they have freedom that they can sort of exercise their entrepreneurial muscles while also helping the company grow all these different things that at the end of the day, they come back to people operations and, and people management. And so um, I think that the, the short answer question is, yeah, that these companies are a lot more successful and, and they become the Googles and the Apples of the world. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about helping people make these decisions. So what are some frameworks that people can use for making their own purchasing of HR tech decision? Sure. So I, I think the first place you need to start is where to focus. There's so many different solutions out there. I think there's literally 30,000 different HR tools that exist right now in, in their ETSs and HRSs and everything in between. Right. There's a few different frameworks that I use. One is talk to other people in the organization. What is driving the board's decisions? What's driving sort of the executive level compensation? Is it increased profitability? Is it growing the sales team? Is it you know product changes, et cetera? How does, how does people make an impact on that? How does HR make an impact? 
And that's where you should focus on your initiatives broadly, but really your tools as well. Um, so a great example might be, hey, we've got uh, call center, super high churn, increasing costs. We need to fight this increase. How do we do? How do we decrease uh, this? We need to have better onboarding. We need to tell a better story at the top of the funnel, employer branding to make sure people know that they're getting themselves into. Um, let's get a new career site. Let's get a better onboarding process. All this stuff is tools that backs up the HR initiatives and makes them more successful. So that's number one, is talking to people in the organization, understanding what does the org care about right now? How does people make an impact? Uh, number two is mapping your employee lifecycle. So I've talked to a couple of companies mm. that have literally set up like, you know, 100 like 8 by 11 pieces of paper taped together yes. on a yes. wall. And it's like, okay, first interaction is you meet right. somebody at a bar that works here or you go on Glassdoor, you go on our career mm -hmm. website. And then there's this, 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 and and you can get really granular. Um, I talked to a guy that he used to work at Amazon. Uh, he now works at a travel tech company, and he had I think 270 different um, points of contact throughout the employee lifecycle that he mapped. And mm -hmm. you can start to think about what are the the ones that really matter that we're not very good at. Um, maybe it's offer management. Uh, Maybe it's making sure that you have an interview panel that represents the company and, and maybe has somebody that kind of looks like you. Uh, if it's a woman candidate, let's make sure that there's somebody who's a woman who's interviewing them, et cetera. Um, so you can, you can figure out where to focus from that perspective. The, the last one, which is sort of like the easiest one, and some people might say it's the laziest, but I think it's probably the most effective is to trust your gut. You're taking in data all day long from conversations, from everything that's happening on a subconscious level. And we're actually really good at figuring out what we should be focused on. And so in the back of your mind, your gut, whatever you want to call it, the thing that you realize is the most important thing, that's probably the most important thing. Uh, and you should then sort of on a conscious level, rationalize, you know, why this is and maybe yes. create a business case, et cetera kind of back it up, but that's a really good place to figure out where to focus. So those are my three frameworks. You you do have to be able to rationalize it though, because if you can't, then you're, you, you don't have anything to sell. It's like, I just feel like this is the best one. You know, your right. finance guy is probably not going to buy into that. Probably not. And if you're, if it's not successful, they'll never give you budget ah, again, right. uh, which is, very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so what questions should we be asking the software vendors when we go to test a product or or get a demo? <clears throat> I think you want to drill into the workflows that really matter to you. Uh, these are the workflows that work in your current product and probably the ones that don't work as well mm -hmm. that sort of drive people crazy. Right. You want right. to drill into integrations, drill into, again, what does an integration mean? Does it mean that you got to download a CSV and upload it? That's not very good. Does it mean that there's an API there? That's the much better um, integration. You want to understand who's going to be my account manager. I I tend to ask questions like, how has that person incentivized, um, you know, tell me about other companies that have gone through this prior. Right. You want to talk to a, a reference or two, and you yes. want to ask questions that are like weirdly specific and hard to prepare for. Um, because 
that's going to get you real answers um, and, and real data. I hate relying on one an end of one to understand a solution, whether that's the salesperson or an online review or the reference. Um, but all of these things are data points and they help you kind of triangulate into what, what's the solution that's right for us. Um, and, and I think if there are peer companies that you respect that are all using something, that's a really strong data point as well. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you're, if you've been in HR for a while, you probably have three or four people that you really respect. And if all those people are using a new, you know, comp management platform, that's probably the right one for you. This question actually comes from Google and I know it's like super broad, do what you can with it, but, um, what should be included in HR software? So if I'm going to go out and buy it, what should I expect to receive with that software? So it depends on your budget um, and, and how big your company is. But I think at, at the very least, you're going to be looking at a database that's sort of like your employee database. It's going to have some sort of integration with payroll solution or have its own payroll solution so you can run payroll through it. It's right. going to have some sort of employee experience module. So okay. it's going to allow you to maybe run some pull surveys, do some performance management stuff. Um, it's probably got, not going to be the whole like soup to nuts, you know, peer to peer recognition or total rewards or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but, it, but it should have those basic things in it. And you might also be looking at something that has uh, some sort of recruiting aspect as well, or applicant tracking system, yeah. sort of lightweight, you know, yeah. job distribution blasted out to Indeed and Monster and stuff like that. Right. Um, so that's that's kind of like the the most baseline stuff. I think that the, the next level here is really, you know, th that sort of describes maybe the solutions of like 10, 15 years ago. The next evolution from that was easy UI. So something okay. that is intuitive, that doesn't take somebody six months to learn. The next evolution from that is really where we're at today, which is more strategic functionality. So there is a great solution called ChartHop, which actually started as an org chart creator. And it allowed you to run these like scenarios. So it's like, hey, if we get that big partnership, our org chart's gonna look like this. If uh, you know, if we lose this partnership, <laughs> we're gonna look like this. Um, if we do this MA deal, blah, blah, blah. And so it, it sort of has this like strategic workforce planning aspect to it. And I think that some of these more modern superpowered HRISs and fuller HCM suites will have mm -hmm. stuff like that in it. Okay. Um, you might also get some pretty decent employee engagement functionality. So mm -hmm. the ability to run some sentiment analysis. Um, and this is really where we're sort of now on the precipice of leveraging artificial intelligence to right. do some stuff in these systems as well. So I think, you know, back in the day, it was like, it's a database. It has like some functionality. It's a really pretty database. It's a pretty database with some strategic functionality. And, to, and now it's like, this is a piece of software that's going to be able to do some stuff for you automatically. Um, and so an example of that could be in onboarding, making sure that an employee is getting connected uh, with the right people. So 
maybe your employee comes in and it's a female engineer, it's like, okay, let's make sure that this person works with uh, senior financial or I'm sorry, senior uh, engineering folks, as well as female engineering folks. Oh, they're not responding to this person. This, this connection was never made. Let's make sure we follow up on that. And it's sort of this like somewhat smart uh, machine that can figure out where uh, the, the ball might be being dropped and, and try to pick up. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm sure people want to talk about negotiating price. Do you have any tips about how to negotiate the cost of any of these pieces of HR tech? Sure. I, I think the, the number one thing that internalizes at first is that you can and, and should negotiate. Almost okay. all of these prices are okay. very negotiable. Even if there's pricing on the website, I've seen uh, applicant tracking systems that are 1500 bucks a year that I thought there's no way anybody could negotiate that somebody get it for a thousand bucks a year. Um, so <laughs> there's always room, especially at the end of the month or the end of the quarter or the end of the year to get these deals done. Why do you By, say, sorry, if I can jump in, why do you say end of the month, yeah. end of the quarter, end of the year? Why do you say there's perhaps more time, more uh, opportunity at those times? So individuals are trying to hit certain numbers to get their bonuses right? and companies are trying to hit certain numbers so that the VP of sales CEO can get their bonuses, or they might be trying to impress their venture capital board members so that next year they can uh, raise money at a higher price. Right. And if, if you're able to end the year at, 10 million revenue run rate versus even 8.5. That's a big difference in terms of your valuation going mm -hmm. forward that can impact the equity value a lot. And so people are willing to make concessions around those times. And what also happens is that the, the best salespeople are really the best buyers of software create a competitive dynamic where the salesperson knows that they are competing for this business and they know that the other person, it's the end of their quarter too, they're probably going to be able to do a little bit. And so they want to preemptively say, look, you know, if you take this, if you sign this by the end of the week, we can do 20% off sort of thing. Right. Um, some other tricks are signing multi-year contracts, paying up front, um, going after one-time fees like implementation, the, the rationale there is that most of these SaaS businesses are valued on a recurring revenue basis. And so one-time fees don't really impact the enterprise value and therefore mm -hmm. they're not in the comp plans. Mm -hmm. uh, so if there's an implementation fee, many times you can kind of scratch that off um, and paying upfront, sort of like giving them a loan. Maybe it doesn't matter for you if you pay upfront for a year or two or three, um, but for them, it could matter a lot, especially if they're a business that needs to raise venture capital money. So all these little things uh, can really help you drive a lot of value. Something I mentioned in our previous interview, which I think is probably the best tip that I've ever heard of, and, and now I use it egregiously and, and share it, is to send a spreadsheet of the vendors oh, that you're looking yes. at to yes. the, each of the vendors and just say, basically, the implication you know, the, the spreadsheet you should send is here are, the, here are my criteria. Here's how you stack up. Hey, are these notes accurate? Uh, 
but the the implication is and i'm talking to these three other companies right and therefore you better give me a good price um so that that can drive a lot of value okay final question uh so what's one or two things that people often overlook in this selection process but they shouldn't i think one of the things most people screw up is internal stakeholder management mm-hmm. and getting people on board pretty early in the process. A lot of people will spend time talking to vendors and they, they don't have the budget or they don't have the info security person signed off or the head of marketing or whoever is the, the relevant stakeholder that they really need. And so right. upfront, I recommend you outlining, here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to do it. Here are what I think the results will be. And here's how those results translate into dollars and cents and get the right people on board from the get-go, keep them informed, let them know, you know, your process, all the work that you're doing and make sure that at the end of the day, they're going to back you to do this and then help you implement it too. So that that's something that I think a lot of people will gloss over I think the other thing that people don't do enough is to question the advice that they get. Uh, So many people give bad advice. I think there are, unfortunately, there are very few people that understand this landscape of HR technology and it's changing so quickly every single day. And people say, yeah, you know, we use this vendor. It's great. And they, you know, many times if you dig into those recommendations, what do you like about it? Uh, why don't you really use the tool? It's really my colleague. Like I, I, I can't oh. deal with that tool, honestly. Like it's a pain in the neck. Oh, okay. So it's <laughs> actually not great. Um, you know, these are, these are conversations that I have all the time because I'm always trying to learn. And many times when you dig one or two levels deeper, we have this blog post, uh, that says buy HR tech, like a toddler, um, always asking why, 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 you know, like sort yeah. of a, a little bit of like an annoying thing, but right. always dig deeper. Um, if somebody, if a salesperson or one of your colleagues says something really question that assumption, um, we had, we got to pitch this recruiting solution that said, you know, we're the number one source of hire for these 50 companies. And I said, what do you mean by number one? Well, we're, you know, we, we drive the most high quality volume. Oh, okay. How do, how do you measure quality? Um, well, it has to do with the conversion rates of blah, blah, blah. Oh, how did you get that data? And asking three yeah. or four questions, it, it, it became clear that what happened was one time, one of their customers in a meeting mentioned that they think that this basically job board is a really good source of traffic. And that became the headline for their entire pitch wow. um, as if they had all this information behind it. And it worked like they had a lot of logos, but they had, they had a lot of churn and they had a mm. lot of customers that were with them for a year and said, this is terrible. I'm out. Um, but I think if you asked that, why, why, why you would get there and you wouldn't be fooled by their sales pitch. Hmm. Excellent. Excellent advice for really, you know, buying a lot of things. Well, thanks, Bill. That was so much good advice. We have reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening out there. We'll catch you next time when we talk shop with another insightful guest.